Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, Martin. What's happening? Yeah, I'm going to need you to come in on Sunday. But don't worry, because there's a new episode of the College Info Geek Podcast out, and you can listen to it while you rot in your cubicle and do financial spreadsheets on Sunday. I love the word rot. I'm excited yeah. now. Welcome back to your favorite cubicle rotting companion podcast. <laughs> Yay. The College of Boogie Podcast. We're happy. And it's a new year. Welcome to 2020. Oh, no. It's not just a new year. It's a new decade. It is a new decade. Boom. Have you written 2019 on any checks yet? On accident? What's a check? It's 2020. You're right. <laughs> you know, I still have to pay my rent in checks. Why? What's a check? Checks are horrible. They are kind of horrible. Your but... count and routing number are right on them. It's horribly insecure. Yeah. I don't understand. I used those very numbers to pay things in university i could you know just take it right on the check At along with could... the first and last name along yeah the... it's right there it's okay though my checks i've had the same like i think it's three checkbooks they give you i've had the same batch of checkbooks ever since i was a teenager so the address on my checks is yeah the address is way wrong that yeah. has absolutely nothing yep. to do with anybody in my family at this point which is fun that's how you do it but i'm stoked get your checks uh, and move Point number one for the audience. Sorry that the podcast is late. I went to Mexico for a big trip that I do with a bunch of other YouTubers every year. Everyone got food poisoning. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and we we put a I'm lot of jealous. work into the first video that I did this year, which was about your habit tracking system, which I'm now using. Oh yeah. And yeah, uh, I nice. was I was working on that until I got on the plane. To go to Mexico. Oh, cool. Yeah. But it, it paid off. It oh, wait. I think I good. saw somebody. Didn't somebody like say they saw you uploading it at an airport in a comment? They did. And then I think like, they, did they? they followed up their comment. I didn't see this until later, but they followed up their comment with, are you still on this plane to Cozumel? <laughs> Which I didn't see. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so allow me to address that comment. Yes, I was on that plane to Cozumel. <laughs> nice. That's cool that you recognize me. But not still. But He's not am, still on the plane. I am an introverted man on a plane, so I wouldn't have said yes. <laughs> I'm not like CGP Grey level, but when I'm on a plane, I want my headphones in. I want to listen to my music. I want to do stuff. But yeah. Did you know that I'm using your habit tracking system? I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. Did you know I'm using it? I did know that. Whoa. I did know that. You know I more got, than me. The one thing I realized is this notebook is bigger than yours, so my days are just like cutting off at half the page. <laughs> oh, yeah. It and does, I can only seem to have more blocks. But see, the beauty is you just shift it over in the next cycle. Yeah, and the next cycle, I, I shifted it over a little bit. Look at that. Um, I can only track four days during this cycle because I was in Mexico for the rest of them. Perfectly fine. But I got some good goals in here. I'm exercising every single day. I'm practicing guitar which if people follow me on my Instagram, they'll know that I also signed myself up for an acoustic vocal showcase in February. I saw that. And I wrote down 
untitled original as the song I was going to play. So now I have to write another song. Uh, do it. It's going to be dope. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be. Well, it's going to be something. The but act I'm of writing it. it will be dope. I'm not. I don't know what the song is going to be like. You know, but the act of making it. It will be dope. Will already be dope. Um. So far, and I can actually put a plus on this. Nice. I am succeeding at being in bed by 11 p.m. each night, which is enabling enabling me to get up early, which is enabling me to do my writing every day. Everything's going great. In fact, I did write for more than 15 minutes this morning, and I also went to the gym this morning, snowboarded yesterday, played a ton of DDR DDR on Sunday. So 2020 is off to a good start, minus the food poisoning in Mexico. That, yeah, that was the last-ditch effort of 2019 to get you. It was reaching a little bit into 2020, (laughs) but it failed. It did not take you. It failed. Yeah, it couldn't take me down. It just... Maybe you feel kind of cruddy for a few days. Yeah. It's cool that you're doing a songwriting thing now. Uh, yes. It's pretty, like pretty a, nice. Like a habit in there. My habit just says practice guitar for 15 minutes, so it could be scale exercises. But right now, it's like I have to get these chord progressions down, and I have to get them so yeah. automatic that I can sing to them without screwing them up, Yeah, which yeah. is hard. Well, I actually just used the system to finish updating a song that oh, yeah. I had mostly written, and now it's done. So, you know, it's a musical year. 2020 is a musical year. It is going to be a musical year. Um, is your song something with vocals or is it just like an instrumental piano just, thing? Just instrumental piano. Cool. Uh, my my singing voice hasn't been properly used in maybe a decade at this point. It's mm. out of practice. And I haven't been rapping these days, you know. I'm, uh, I just uh, I haven't been. I mean, I've been writing really dumb rhymes in Jackbox games. <laughs> I'm still Why rhyming. Doesn't that game have an I'm rhyming all the to time. Let you rap it yourself. Oh yeah, it should. Like all the other it ones should do. because sometimes it messes up the flow. It really does. And it's like this would have sounded great if I had done it, but the machine didn't know. Sometimes the robot voice is hilarious. <clears throat> you know, it messes up the flow. But, yeah, but I, I got no rap EPs in mind this year. But I've been working on piano. That's a thing. Piano's a thing. I have lots of music in mind this year. But yeah, so far, Martin System's working well for me, and I enjoy the fact that people are just like straight up just calling it that in the comments for the video. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm working on an article for mm-hmm. edge cases for the system and then kind of get it laid out with extra pictures and stuff too. Oh, yeah, and people I are going to want to look out that, that yet. for that. We had a lot of questions about um, like what do you do if you want to track a certain amount of habits per week but you don't have days planned? yeah. Which, I mean, what are your overall thoughts on that? Well, I think that um, if you have to do it that way, then sure. Although note that it's not really like a habit at that point because the habits are repetitive. At that point, what you're really creating, say say you want to do something three times, four times. I guess I'm thinking about one week. Within the two-week cycle, let's say you want to do something eight times. That's not so much a habit as it is an output-based goal with optional days. Yeah. You know? Which I guess you could so modify could, your system for that. And it, it would work. You can do both. You could just have no days specifically outlined because it's optional, mm-hmm. plus the days that you did them, and put a check mark when you've finished your output-based goal of getting eight days worth of stuff in there. Yeah. But it's like, it depends on what you're doing, whether that actually makes sense for you and mm-hmm. what kind of goal it is. One addition that I'm considering making is on the page opposite from the tracker, just having like a workout tracker listing 
just so I can just so like, you have an explanation. Of, yeah, just so I remember yeah. what I did. Because for me, it's not like oh, I'm gonna run every day, which my friend Dave is doing. Like I'm gonna run every day without fail, and that would yeah. work just fine. But for me, it's like all right. Some days I'm gonna snowboard. Some days I'm going to ice skate. Some days I'm going to climb. Some days I'm gonna lift. Some days I'm going to play a DDR. Uh, for me, that variety is not a problem. But yeah. I would like a record to look back, especially since I have all these sports I like to do, which means I'm not lifting super often. Like I'm not lifting three times a week, which means I should probably have like one week where I do arms and chest and back. And then like maybe week B, I focus on legs. Yeah. Unless I just wanted to do a, a full body thing. But I think right now with the amount of time I have um, doing a proper full body workout, it's just not, it's not in the cards. So for me, I think I'm going to do like I did today was all upper body focused. And then next week it's going to be all lower body focused. And I might do like high intensity interval training some weeks. That'd be fine. I think a lot of people get stuck on like the week cycle for working out, which is fine. But I don't think it's the only way you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the reason that I started this system on paper was because you can be flexible and you can do whatever you want. And yeah, if you need to explain or track extra details on the other page. Mm hmm. I think that it's really important that what you did is sort of self-contained anyway, because yeah. let's say I make an iCloud note somewhere that's like, here's what my workout system is. And then in my, in my paper notebook, I'm just writing, did my system. If I look back at the yeah. notebook to find out, okay, I used to work out and it worked. What was I doing then? Well, maybe I've deleted the iCloud note now. It's all got to be self-contained or the data is not as helpful to look back at. Mm-hmm it would be useful for you to write that stuff down and be like, hey, I've been avoiding <clears throat> I've been avoiding weights this whole time and yep. this is not balanced. Yeah, and I do want to make sure that I'm lifting, which I could just have two exercise goals or, or say like Mondays are lifting and then I could have a plus sign there. Right now I'm choosing. Yeah, yeah, it's as flexible fine. as you want as long as you know what it means. Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's, that's going to be my system for a while. Um, I'm also considering doing a 30-day run of the bullet journal just because i've never done it yeah and I've i know a lot of people that, but i've definitely heard really it. like it and i've gotten inundated with questions about it and i just haven't done it so i'm thinking perhaps february will be the month where i test it and if i do i may just integrate your system into it what's the bullet journal track in general is it for like i think it kind of tracks habits everything and tasks or is it just like also a calendar is it i think it's kind of everything Okay. I need to go look through it. it I know a lot of people bullets. Will, it is for tracking bullets. I guess. You have like a tag on every bullet you own? I make them from scratch. They're actually made from <laughs> from uh, sustainably harvested wood. Mm. So you can fight the machines, right? Yeah. You got to make shells. They're immune to metal. <laughs> <laughs> wood they're made wood gets them. So clearly wood gets them real metal, good right? for some reason. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> if you're made of something, you're immune to that um, thing, right? Don't partner with me in the apocalypse. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Look, we, we spend most of our time putting things on the internet. How good are we going to be at apocalypsing? I haven't practiced. I'll, I'll put that in next cycle. I have a pocket knife. Apocalypse prep. And I think I have like a fire starting thing. I have a pocket knife that's super dull and sticky with the glue of all the tape I've cut from boxes <laughs> with it. So, I, you know, that'll do me real good. Okay. So making note right here does not know how to properly maintain a knife. I feel like... That's if, a point against you. I feel like if I fell on it, it would just fall over. I wouldn't even get cut. It's so dull at this point. It would. It's mm, not even really a they knife. They say a dull knife is more dangerous than a sharp one. Oh, it'll be dangerous. I think you would still get cut on it if you fell on it. Nah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so today 
And I guess to kick off our first episode of 2020, we're going to talk about self-awareness. Coincidentally, something that all these journaling things could help you build. That's true. And Look yeah, if you were doing like straight up bullet journal with actual journaling, I think you would you would start to build that as well. Yeah. Um, though now that I think about it, even habit tracking is going to help you build self-awareness. Yeah, certain, a certain type of self-awareness. Now, I, I think that the self-awareness benefits of habit tracking are going to come later on in the process because when you start, and I'm aware that I'm in this phase right now, you're tracking yourself so your behavior changes yeah. because you know you're being observed even if only by yourself. So you have to kind of get past that and you have to sort of get to a point where you're, you're okay. Like there's no weird novelty about being tracked even if it's just you. Once tracking becomes just an average day to you. Yeah, then you just do it. And then you'll start to realize patterns and you'll start to be able to say, hmm, I noticed myself putting this off or only doing it at night, scrambling to get it done before bed. Maybe I don't like that. Why don't I like it? So, yeah. What is what is self-awareness to you? <clears throat> well, I was thinking about this and I think there are several kinds of self-awareness. I think that one could build an emotional self-awareness. One could build physical self-awareness or also intellectual oh, yeah. self-awareness. So why do I feel the things I feel? Why, what is going on with my body? Like, do I feel tension in my muscles? Because that can lead to anxiety, which they, they can feed mm. into each other and sort of make you more anxious without realizing it. Wait, muscle tension your body anxiety? You take cues from yourself weirdly okay i mean i believe it it's, I it's the reason it. that if you uh practice if you practice some calm slow breathing techniques you can calm yourself because your body becomes calm so your mind's like oh hey we're not tense we must not mm. be fighting tigers okay we're good nobody would be breathing that calmly if we were fighting tigers yeah so we're let's calm down it's like a weird kind of connected feedback loop in there so physical huh. awareness is helpful because it's also good for posture you know, you just realize, why am I doing, why is my neck way down? That's true. That's bad. I had to get a lot of physical self-awareness when I had damaged my nerves because the therapist would be like, "What? It, what's that feel like? Does that hurt? And I got, I have to differentiate. Does it hurt in the muscle? Does it hurt in the nerve? Does it hurt at the surface? Is this like I just bruised it? And, you know, I'll ask Ashley if she like bumps into something and she's like, this hurts. And I'm like, what hurts? And she's like, what do you? What does that even mean? I don't know how to differentiate that because I haven't taken the time to differentiate what it feels like for the different levels of feeling. So physical self-awareness can be very helpful and build on into the other two. Mm -hmm. And intellectual self-awareness, I feel, is when knowing whether your beliefs are justified in any sort of rationality, whether you're being a hypocrite, mm. stuff like that, where you know why you're making the decisions you're making. Yeah even if they're not necessarily emotional decisions at first. And all of these yeah. three will feed into each other because it turns out that we generally operate as one whole being and not like <laughs> three separate parts that Are you fight saying the other. mind doesn't exist on some like ethereal plane completely disconnected <clears throat> from the body? I'm saying that if it does, it certainly is hooked up in a way that there's a feedback loop between mm. the two. Uh, much like it was being plugged into it. Oh. <laughs> Don't think about it. <laughs> anyway. I'm thinking about it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Fight the machines. Yeah, so that, I think those are the main three that I can think of. There might be more. I'm just not aware of those yet. I haven't mm. built that level. You have to become aware. But 
I had not thought of the physical aspect of it when I was writing my own notes for this episode, but you're absolutely right. And there's also like spatial awareness. And I think like, yeah, if yeah. we're going to talk about the physical aspect of it, there's a, a big tie in with coordination, like physical coordination um, with becoming aware of your own bodily limits, but also your own bodily potential, yeah. which you would gain through trying out sports and working out and doing that kind of stuff. So that's a big thing. Um, when I thought about the intellectual sides of it, I definitely thought about understanding what you believe, your opinions, how you think. Um, but I was also thinking about the emotional side of it because a lot of us kind of ignore our emotions or we don't work to figure out what precisely they are or where they're stemming from. So well, sort of the, like, the, the intellectual roots behind yeah. what your emotions might be. And then on a separate level, what your emotions might be causing you to do. Mm -hmm. But like, where did they come from in the first place? Yeah. Another big one for me was um, knowing your own flaws, your own weaknesses and your blind spots. Yeah. And I think like, if you have friends who care about you, they will typically tell you your blind, your blind spots, at least the ones they notice. But a lot of us don't take that seriously. Well, it's pretty easy to cast aside anything that you don't already believe about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I forget the name of it. There's some like fallacy when, where when presented with contradictory evidence <clears throat> to your beliefs, you double down on your beliefs. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're like, well, that's an edge case. That actually just confirms my belief. You know, it's, what's really <laughs> funny is I saw a tweet. I, I, a tweet where somebody was like, this was my favorite tweet of something, the year or something, where they were they, they were saying... Uh, somebody said, I think if people had evidence, they would change their mind. And then they were like, here's this study that says that's not true. And then the person who said that said, well, I still think it's true. <laughs> so they <laughs> like, su if they were more self-aware, they would see that they were super ironically disproving their own theory. <laughs> that is it's a great like tweet. a complete lack of self-awareness yeah. in order for that to happen. And it's not, you know, like, oh my gosh. it doesn't make them a bad person. But self-awareness can help in a lot of situations, especially making you not look dumb on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> I, think <I've, laughs> I think I've built a lot of self-awareness trying not to look dumb on Twitter. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Skillshare. And I am particularly excited about this ad on this week's episode of the podcast because guess what? I just launched a brand new course on Skillshare. Now, if you've used Skillshare in the past, or if you've at least heard me talk about it, you know that I have a course on there that launched in 2019, all about building a productivity system and uh, making your to-do list and your calendar and your note-taking system and your file organization method all work in harmony. And I have a brand new class that I have formulated to be a good complement to that original class. This new class is called Real Productivity, How to Build Habits That Last. And as the title implies, this class is all about how to build strong, positive habits and routines that you will actually stick to over the long term. This course goes over the process of narrowing down all of your goals or figuring out what your goals are in the first place, turning those goals into actionable habits that you can practice on a regular basis, and then learning how to stick to those habits through a combination of both self-discipline, which you'll learn how to build over time, and external systems that can augment your self-discipline. This is a big thing for me. A lot of people believe that 
self-discipline and habit tracking tools and uh, coaches and people who kind of hold your feet to the fire. They're kind of like mutually separate. And if you need these tools, you just don't have self-discipline and that's something wrong. But I believe them as two things that go hand in hand. The external systems, if you use them correctly, can build your self-discipline over time. So if you wanna go take that class, plus maybe take my original productivity class, if you haven't seen that already, you can actually get a two-month free trial of Skillshare by going over to skillshare.com geek and signing up. And once you do, you're also gonna have access to thousands of other classes on the platform, including classes in video editing, in After Effects animation, graphic design, procreate drawing classes on the iPad, uh, lots of business classes, there are productivity classes, there's a lot to be found on Skillshare's platform. And with that two month free trial, there is a lot you could learn, uh, including my own course, but that's only about an hour. So you could do a lot more during those two months. And once the two months are up, Skillshare is less than 10 bucks a month. So it is a very affordable platform and it's gonna help you to boost your creative skills and possibly your career prospects in the future. So once again, if you want to sign up for Skillshare and also support the work that we do here at College Info Geek, go over to skillshare.com geek and sign up to get that two month free trial. Big thanks as always to Skillshare for sponsoring this episode and thanks to them for working with me to help produce this course. It turned out really, really good and I'm very glad I worked with them on it. So it would be awesome if you checked it out. And also another thanks goes out to our second sponsor this week, Brilliant. If you are somebody who wants to, number one, become a better overall problem solver and be able to tackle challenging problems that don't have obvious solutions, but also increase your mastery in the areas of math, science, and computer science, you are gonna wanna check out Brilliant. They have a library of more than 60 in-depth courses covering the entire math suite from basic number theory to algebra to geometry to really advanced stuff like differential equations and math for quantitative trading and finance if you want to go into that world or you know super complex statistics and probability and logic. They have science courses on gravitational physics, uh, classical mechanics, waves and light, and computer science courses as well, including one on Python programming. There are fundamental computer science courses on algorithm design, on how computer memory works. If you want to dig into all these, Brilliance Library is for you. And the best thing about it is all of their courses are incredibly active and hands-on. So there is material that you can read through and learn all the concepts normally, but alongside that, there are storytelling problems. There are code writing challenges. There are all these interactive challenges that keep you more interested in the subject and help you to learn more effectively. Plus, as an addition to that library of in-depth courses, there's a feature called Daily Challenges, where every day there is a brand new challenge that you can sink your teeth into, you can continue to build your habit of uh, solving problems every day, and you can maybe even get interested in a new area that you hadn't tried before and that you felt was a bit intimidating to start based on you know the big course material that you see in the library. So Daily Challenges is a great additional feature for that reason. So. If you want to get started today and start learning for free, go over to brilliant.org slash geek and sign up. With a free account, you get access to those brand new daily challenges every single day. So you can, again, make learning a daily habit. And if you were one of the first 200 people to sign up with that URL, again, brilliant.org slash geek, you're going to get 20% off their annual premium subscription, which unlocks access to that huge library of in-depth courses. So once again, brilliant.org slash geek, and big thanks, as always, to Brilliant for sponsoring this episode and being a supporter of our show, which we are now going to get back into. Let's do it. I don't know if it's just like a facet of our age range, 
because we remember what it was like to not be on the internet. Yeah. But now we've like, and I think we, we've grew, we've grown up with the internet going through its infancy with people doing whatever they want. In many cases, having complete anonymity and then like slowly coming into this era where everything you do is kind of tied to your identity and you just do it all in public. Yeah. Like it's not like super ultra frogman one, two, three, four at hotmail dot, jpeg mm. you know it's it's all me I now guess my email <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just send all complaints to that email and we'll be just fine yeah all compliments can go to thomas at collegeboogie.com but super ultra frogman at <laughs> yahoo that is our special complaints department yeah but <laughs> i don't know yeah it's it was weird because the anonymity felt safe but also anonymity tends to lead to worse things because yeah because some people are like i don't have to care about yeah. what I say now and what it does to anyone. There's something, um, I will use the acronym. It's called the G-I-F theory. And I can't use the F part of that in this podcast. But it's basically just the you know combination of person on the internet plus anonymity equals abrasive idiot, essentially. Yeah. Uh, because pe- there are no consequences for your actions. And boy, I wonder if I can find the study that this was from, but uh, I, I heard once about a research experiment where they they hooked up a camera that was like on a pole going kind of like away from a person's back and then pointing at them. So like the back a, of their head? Yeah, sort of like the back of them, like kind of from like the waist up. And okay. then they had a VI or VR helmet that showed the feed. So oh. they saw mm. themselves in third person. Mm. That sounds really strange. Which yeah. I would love to experience. I'm getting this. busy right now thinking about it. But apparently, and I, I want to, I'm going to refine uh, the article that I read about this. Apparently, they were just like much less careful about things because like their sense of agency was removed from the body they were controlling. Or I guess their sense of self and identity. Well, that sounds very weird. Yeah. I would love to experience it. I think it would be super cool. But, uh, It'd be cool to experience, but like, man, imagine man, if you were I trapped could... that way. Like, that would all the video game characters that have third person oh, view. Man. They they live like that. That's a new. That's like a new punishment. <laughs> I don't know what the government's gonna like say. Like, oh, this is the crime for this punishment, but someone's getting locked in a VR helmet and being put in third person. <laughs> well, it's actually it's a punishment for performing badly at things. So if you're oh, if okay. you if you failed like a skateboarding test somehow. You have to watch yourself be bad at skateboarding now in third person. And because you're watching yourself, you'll be worse. So your punishment is shame. I want to try just, skateboarding. Just tons of shame. It'll feel like you're myself playing Tony in third Hawk, person. Right? Now, you'd have to make sure the latency was like as close to zero as possible for anything oh, like that. Yeah, there was once they ad- if they adapted to it and then they took it off, then they would suck. Well, I'm just saying like they'd you, be working for latency. You wouldn't, wouldn't adapt exist. to it because you just... You would do the ollie, and you'd see yourself do the ollie a second later. Like there'd be it'd too be much so, of a gap in feedback. Be so you'd, weird, you'd fall. Man, boy, imagine like feeling pain, but then like you're seeing something like not. It's not someone else, but to your brain, it's someone else. They're getting hurt. Where well, you see, got hurt. Here, then you swap feeds with somebody else <laughs> who's got the exact same thing and clothes, but they're doing different. I think stuff like, i have to wonder if you could hook an htc vive up to a gopro feed because if so like this wouldn't be that hard to set up yeah actually i bet you there's like some kind of homebrew software on the internet that will allow you to do this probably 
write in the comments below if you made this. Anyway. Yeah, um, okay, so that's a weird rabbit hole. That's a weird rabbit hole. I want to talk about uh, knowing yourself emotionally, and I want to talk about a revelation that I had fairly recently. So I have taken various forms of personality tests many times over the years. Strengths Finder, MBTI, which... That's the four-letter one, That's right? the four-letter one, and the actual MBTI testing methodology has been disproven many, many times. It's basically no better than astrology. Um, and I haven't dug super far into this, so somebody in the comments may be able to tell me that all of this is hogwash. But from what I've read, at least, there's something called Big Five methodology, which is apparently more accurate than MBTI. I don't know how accurate any of this stuff is, but... I think these tests are fun and they're sometimes interesting because you'll you'll read things and you're like, actually. And it's interesting to have somebody who knows you read the profile you get. So every time I've taken this test over the years, I have gotten ENTJ, which on the 16 personalities website, which apparently uses big five methodology, but then gives you an MBTI uh, acronym just because it's more recognizable, I guess. Hmm. It's like the commander entrepreneur persona that's what i've always gotten and i haven't really questioned it because i'm like i'm an entrepreneur i run a business i tell people what to do i guess that makes sense okay um last year near the end of last year my mom called me and she's like your brother and i read through all the personalities and we don't think that one's yours (laughs) (laughs) And I think that I think they said mine was the I I S T P, which is I think it's the virtuoso. It's like a somebody who likes to get their hands dirty and build things. And then I was like, interesting. So I went back and I retook the test, but this time I did something different. Every time I've taken that test in the past, I've always answered the questions truthfully, but I answered them thinking about what I would do in the situations that they propose. So a lot of times it'll be like, I enjoy being the center of attention, or I would go do this, or I would go do that. And I would answer with what I actually would do. And that always led to ENTJ. This time I answered it with what I would want to do if there were no judgments that I felt were going to come from other people and I got the uh, INTP, which is the logician one. Much more introverted than I've ever gotten before and much less interested in bossing people around and being a commander and more interested in just like pondering life philosophy and solving problems and learning things, which I have to say is a lot more accurate to what I actually do. Like, I guess I technically am a boss because I run a business, but I don't like managing people and i've kind of like tried to give as much of that to you as possible yeah like my day-to-day is not managing people it's reading a hundred thousand word guide on hollywood level workflow for cameras and then trying to figure out how i can use that kind of stuff like that's what really excites me and uh i kind of realized that i had this idea of who i should be and in many cases i try to act in such a way that I'm in alignment with how I should be or how I want to be or how I want other people to perceive me. And I think that was so ingrained that every time I take this test, I'm like, I answer truthfully and I get this. But this time I'm like, what would I do if 
there was there was no you know desire for me to appear a certain way i just am doing what i want to do and as it turns out i'm much more introverted than i thought i was which lines up with how i spend my time it's a really interesting way to take that and, and that's really the problem with those kind of things in general is because it's hard to separate what is me separated from my potential reactions to the people around me because yeah. most of the time there's like that's functionally the same because I am always reacting to what these people are. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm a completely different person with my family yeah. than I am with some friends. So the those tests can only really show you what you're reflecting of yourself mm-hmm. at the moment. Exactly. I think like we have we have a self image and we will choose to act in certain ways when we're around people to uphold that. Well, and, and, and also cases, we might want an answer and then like yes. what if you're doing like the Harry Potter thing and you're like, I really want to be this and you're like, which one of these answers probably gives me Hufflepuff points? <laughs> like you could cheat yourself pretty yeah, I mean, easily. You, you guys knew me better than I knew me with that for ever since those quizzes came out because I was always like, I'm a Ravenclaw. I value logic and learning and that kind of stuff. And all of you were like, no, Tom, you're a Slytherin. You're super ambitious and you want power. (laughs) (laughs) You're also evil. And I'm evil. Because it turns out there's not a whole lot of examples in the books that exonerate Slytherin from being the evil house. Merlin was a Slytherin. He was probably fine. It just turns out they were in a bad generation. Contemporary characters. That's because they're all the children of the bad guys. (laughs) It was pretty pretty bad. You got to wait a couple of generations for for that to and you know what that might be a problem with those quizzes is like people have read the books and they kind of know like Slytherin House equals bad. I don't know if I want to be that. Only equals bad because the the families right there happen to all be bad. Yeah, it's a coincidence. But again, it's like a it's like a self image thing. Like I value learning, I value logic, I value experimentation. But when you actually observe what I do, there is a lot of that. But there's also a but lot of ambition. Use it for, there's also a for lot of like cool projects. And... Yeah, like I'm not the kind of person who foregoes business opportunities because I'm like hold away in a library learning about I don't know, yeah, electric eels or something. You got to learn about them. It's like, no, I, I'm the kind of person who jumps at like, oh, hey, there's a conference going on in Atlanta and I can speak at it. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Because I see all the connecting dots in my head of how that could be potentially beneficial in the future. And that's very Slytherin-y. But when I'm thinking about myself and who I am, I don't think about that kind of stuff. I think about the kind of things that I I view as valuable. Yeah. And we're always going to want to imagine ourselves as what we would what we'd like mm-hmm. like the most or at least what we feel is on brand which is also kind of an issue with like the whole personal brand thing which is you know it it's true but you can feel locked into something like you're never allowed to yeah leave it not even aware that hey I don't like that anymore I only do it because I'm supposed to at this point that's a, a level of self-awareness that's hard because it hurts to give up the old things mm-hmm. yeah or or you'll attain some kind of branding and then <clears throat> you will judge yourself harshly in your own failures because of that branding. Yeah. Like I, on the internet built a reputation as somebody who talks about productivity. So whenever I would fail a habit goal or something like that, or whenever I would try to, you know, stick to something using pure self-discipline and not using the tools that I would recommend to other people, my, you know, my self-talk is, well, I know how to use these things cause I talk about them on my channel. So I don't actually need them. I'm above them. And then I fail anyway. And I'm like, what's, what's wrong with me? Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, you're human. You have flaws. You have impulsive 
behaviors, which is why you would benefit from these very things you're talking about. Yeah. So I think a lot of our blind spots stem from a fundamental disconnect between how we see ourselves and how we would like to be seen by other people and how we actually act when driven by our true desires. And then when we reflect on ourselves, we, we ignore those things. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's like a conscious, like, I don't do that. I think it's just like, you don't even see it. Hey, well, you, a lot of what we do is sort of on autopilot. We're uh, a pile of habits and reactions to other people. And if we get too busy and we kind of stick to that, we never get a chance to sort of pause the autopilot and be like, wait, what have I been just doing for the last like three weeks? Well, that's weird. <laughs> Why is that? And then if we if we stick to the autopilot and never really consider it for too long, that's how I feel a lot of time slips through our fingers. And we literally don't know how the years have gone by. Yeah. Because you get stuck entirely in habits. You don't get a step back and review them as often unless you do it on purpose, like with a system like that, where every two weeks, I feel like so much has happened in the last year because I'm aware of what's happened in the last year. Mm -hmm. And you were using that for the whole year, right? I was, I've been using that since I think late 2018. So okay. October of 2018, I'm pretty sure I started using it. So the whole, the whole year, I've got so many different things that I'm either like, yeah, I messed up then, or I'm proud of that. But it felt like a really long year where I've yeah. had years that felt like they just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference is just stopping every once in a while to try to readjust some self-awareness and see what kind of what kind of autopilot programs have I been running lately? Yeah. Do I need to adjust one. it? Is this good autopilot right now? No, this autopilot's been hatching Pokemon eggs. <laughs> I thought I've been here for a half hour and I've been here for four hours. That's a bad autopilot. Mm -hmm. If I had chosen four hours, that'd be fine. But it happened on accident. Yeah. Bad autopilot. Wait, that is another great example of how we will often ignore past evidence about the kind of people we are. I have so many. And you, you've you seen this happen. I have so many examples of um, the fact that my brain is not built for long story-driven video games. Yeah, you do. And you've seen me so many make many stupid purchases, yeah. including Sekiro, including an entire extra PS4 because I convinced myself I was going to play Monster Hunter with you guys. Everybody else already knew. <laughs> <laughs> including Xenoblade Chronicles 2. <laughs> the like longest thing you could have picked. And then you borrowed Final Fantasy 15 and like didn't even make it past <laughs> what the intro segment. <laughs> Forgot about that part. Hey, I got to the desert, but uh, yeah, then I started, you know, driving out into the desert and having to fight things and like, this is boring. What you needed was like the audiobook version of that game. You should have just watched all the cutscenes. You know what? So I've never really been able to articulate this uh, quite as well. There is a Nakey Jakey video where he talks about watching video games. I love his channel in general because he just like kind of writes these videos about things that were important to us as kids when it came to video games, but you never think about them. Like PS1 demo discs. Those were great. Uh, they were Remember great. Remember those? Oh, it was man. It like, was like the PS1 Underground those Vault or something so like good. That. It was great. So he has this whole video about watching video games where he's just talking about like video games aren't just Pong now, which means they're not just the gameplay they are an amalgamation of story and character development and emotion and music and visuals and imagery. And then there's also gameplay. So you can enjoy everything about a video game except for the experience of playing it. 
which is why I have many fond memories of watching like our friend Quentin playing a game like Bloodborne or playing a JRPG or playing a scary game. But there's no way in hell I could ever watch it or play it myself. Oh, no, you'd, you'd never play a scary game. I would I'm never aware play of that. a scary game. Nope. And like, I can only play it when I'm ironically trying to mess with my friends who are watching me play it. If I was playing it alone, I'd be like, I'm not playing this game. <laughs> I can't do it. I think if I were arrested for a crime and the judge was like, your sentence is you're in jail until you finish the game outlast, it would be a life sentence. I would just be in jail forever. <laughs> That'd be pretty bad. Or you'd, or you'd come out of jail super messed up from your struggles. Well, I've often thought of like, like writing a short, like a short um, dystopian story about like governments like putting people in prison and like putting them in like Resident Evil 7 headsets or something like that. Basically, your punishment is VR hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, oh, that's a that'd be terrifying. That's a pretty intense way to make some temporary hell on earth for punishment. Super terrifying. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I can't play scary games, but I have watched a lot of scary games and I, I can't always like actually watch the screen. Like sometimes I'll do like the screen door effect with my hands cause I'm kind of a baby, but, uh, I still enjoy it, but I couldn't play it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like the, the concept behind it, the world building behind it and often yet, very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And yet when I was in Mexico, there was a little impulse. I think I want to try the new Pokemon game. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't do it, but only because the internet speed there was so bad that it would have not downloaded while I was there to my Switch. Otherwise, I think my impulsive self, which that's another self-awareness thing I should be aware of, I'm quite impulsive, Yeah, would have started playing it, but then would have realized, oh wait, this is another really grindy just a JRPG. RPG where I'm going to do the same thing over and over again. I'm going to press attack and then tackle and then wait for an animation. Yeah. And, ugh, if you were going to no. play any Pokemon, it, it should be let's go at this point. If it's like yeah. a catching Pokemon like game, there are other side games that are way different, but largely the they're only... still repetitive. It's just let's go gives you a ton of shortcuts to the original. So it'd just be a nostalgia binge. Yes. And I do like that because when I was a kid, I played through Pokemon a ton. I love oh, yeah. it, but I think now I'm just like, I got a lot of things going on in my life. Maybe the internet has given my brain a form of like attention deficit. I don't know. Then again, I will sit there and play guitar for hours. I will sit there and play Celeste or Hollow Knight for hours, but it's because in almost every moment of gameplay, there is skill and finesse and technicality. It's not just hitting it's a button. About well, actually, I um, one self-aware thing that I know I started noticing within these last maybe half a year, but when I'm playing a game for too long now, I've started to notice more actively when I start to feel negatively about it, and not just like oh. I'm mad because I'm losing, because I'm usually playing one-player games. I don't play uh, multiplayer like whatever you would call the games like Overwatch. I don't, I don't yeah. care about competition mm -hmm. like that. I only if it was local not online, but I've been playing these one-player games and I'd be doing something for so long, like hatching eggs or like um, <clears throat> mystery trading. It happened several times in Pokemon. It could happen... I can't think of another game example, but it's happened in another game where I'm like trying to make something happen, but because of how the game works, it's too luck-based. Or maybe I've just mm. been playing for far more hours than I wanted. I'll start to feel myself getting irritated 
not only at the game, but at anything else. Like if there's an interruption, like uh, maybe Ashley's like, hey, what do you want to do for dinner? And I'm just like, I don't, I don't have time for dinner. I don't care about dinner. Don't make me think about dinner. I'm busy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling that in my head. I'm like, I feel very irritated. Why is that? And then mm-hmm. I've started to think about it. And the feeling I'm actually feeling is like I'm trapped because it's now getting mixed with dread. Oh, And I'm yeah. like, how much of my life is gone? But I have to do this because of the sunk cost fallacy? Wait, no, I said it's a fallacy. That's a bad idea. Yeah. But it's, I never felt that before. And I've started to feel it. And maybe, maybe that's why you can't get very far in those kind of long, tedious games. Because it starts to feel to me like I've trapped myself in this prison of accomplishment that I can't leave until I've beat something. I don't feel trapped. It's... It's harder to articulate how I feel about it. And I don't get this with Breath of the Wild. So I think there is something inherent to the design of most of these types of games that Breath of the Wild kind of sidesteps. Oh, that might have been the other game I felt trapped in, actually. You felt trapped in Breath of the Wild? I think it. I think I'm just starting to realize that as a kid, I could play for days on end. But now, oh, yeah. if I play past like maybe 40 minutes to an hour in a row, frequently, I will just start to feel bad about myself. I want more varied activities, I think, mm. now. So that's, yeah, that's another issue where, like, I feel like I'm wasting my life. And then, of course, there's always a, a battle in my mind on that level because there's part of me that's like, yeah, you're wasting your life. You could be making a new song or working out or making another video or learning more camera stuff or literally a thousand different things. But then there's always this other side of me that's like, been pretty successful so far when are you gonna let yourself relax like are you just never gonna let yourself relax to the point where you can enjoy a video game like you used to do you value that are you so enamored with the idea of continued accomplishment that you've just sacrificed this part of yourself and then i don't really know there can be a lot of back and forth when you're trying to figure (laughs) out like the root i think for me i'm just i don't find it fun after several hours now i get i get bored of it now and i need more yeah, and so that's the big More thing movement. for me. Like, I will, I'll get the game, and I'll have a little bit of novelty, and I'll play it, and then it'll be like, all right, here's the next, I don't know, corridor you need to go down or something. And I'm like, I just don't want to. Like, like my mind can extrapolate it. I think the 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 top example I can think of is when I tried again. This is another example of me doing it. I tried to play Ocarina of Time. And you know what? I think I tried to play Ocarina of Time after Breath of the Wild. So maybe I, I had got to the point where I'm like, oh, Breath of the Wild's great. Maybe I'll enjoy all the elder, all the other Zeldas. So I'm playing Ocarina of Time, and there's a part where you've exited the forest. You've crossed Hyrule Field. You've gone to the castle and the town around the castle. You kind of explored it a little bit. And the next thing you got to do is go to the Gerudo place, right? Or is it no, the Goron place? Yeah. But there's like a gate that's closed, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly. And there's a dude who's like, hey, I need you to go to the castle and get me this thing, and then I'll open the gate. It's something along... It basically is like a fetch quest. And I did it, but I remember feeling like... So the game designers have decided to pad out the game by having me trot all the way back to the place I just was to get a MacGuffin and then bring it back to this guy so he'll open the gate. And literally the only thing that they have accomplished from a game designer's perspective is i'm now playing the game longer yeah why and it's not even a new area you had to explore uh, it was yeah it was nothing puzzle or something 
And I guess, I don't know, maybe you can go to the Goron place right after the forest. I don't know. I haven't played it in a long time. I haven't played it in a long time. So maybe it was like a design decision to get you to go check out the castle first. But no, I'm pretty sure you got to go to the castle right after the forest to talk to the princess. I don't know. It's been several years. Yeah. Well, I do remember game design has progressed a little bit. Yes. And I have had a lot of people tell me Ocarina specifically is a very slow burn and it's not as great. I did enjoy Wind Waker a lot more. I haven't finished it, but I got quite far. I think I beat like three dungeons in Wind Waker so far. Wind Waker is my favorite game of all time. And I think Wind Waker has a lot more like, again, technicality and skill in the moment. And maybe Ocarina of Time does as well. I also think Wind Waker has a lot more going for it in terms of visuals and music. Yeah, man. So that's fun. Yeah, and it all makes sense because of the time. But Ocarina was fantastic at what it does. But it's my least favorite 3D Zelda, to mm. be honest. It's nothing against it. They just kept improving stuff. Yeah. And that's totally fair. But I don't know. I just had to think about that. Like, yeah. I keep, <laughs> I keep doing it, even though I know. And I have all these examples. So you'd think I would eventually learn, like, that's just not for me. Yeah, you've got to pause the autopilot long enough to to like get a good answer out of it, mm-hmm. but then accept that at some point you're going to fall back into an autopilot. Yeah. So figure out ways to change it, which is why we work on habit building, which mm-hmm. is why you know a, a weekly review or a cyclical review, like in the the notebook system, anything like that can be helpful because then you're you're what you're trying to do is redesign your autopilot. Yeah. Basically, because it would be so terrible to have to be ultra actively making every decision like that like in that video you know where i try to eat a banana because i forgot how you know <laughs> if if every single decision we made was all manual it yeah. would just be terrible we'd be immensely exhausted within hours of waking up mm-hmm. yeah exactly um so i also have like acknowledging your feelings acknowledging your flaws one thing i want to talk about is self-awareness that you gain through experience um, with a specific focus on work. Okay. And I want to talk about this because learning about myself changed the trajectory of my career. And for the people listening to this, the majority of them are either still in school or in the very formative stages of their career. So this is an area where there may be a shift. And we're going to do a whole episode about pivoting to different careers or different things next, probably next week. We're in a weird schedule right now. But uh, I think next week. Um, But learning about myself and learning about the the type of work I like to do, not the profession itself, but the type of work, kind of changed the trajectory of what I do. So in college and high school, I decided that I wanted to be an IT guy, just like you, now that I'm remembering. And again, and boy, this should point to me having the logician personality and not the ENTJ personality. What I found so fascinating was the idea of setting up giant networks and learning all the intricacies of the firewall settings and all the different star and ring, all the network patterns and design methodologies. And uh, I really wanted to be Tank from the Matrix. I wanted to be the dude in the chair with like the 17 monitors. And boy, there's a lot. Now I'm I'm literally learning about myself while talking about this. Because if I was really an ENTJ, I would want to be like Neo or the captain of the ship. But no, I wanted to be the dude in the chair 
with all the kanji and numbers going down the screen. That's not the commander. Uh, anyway, I found all that fascinating. And for the first two years of college, I was like reading A plus certification books. I was like, I'm going to be a tech. I'm going to be the dude in the basement who runs all the computers. And then I got my internship and I asked to be put in the networking department. Now, I really didn't like my internship in terms of the work I was doing. People were great. They were more than generous with the opportunities, but the nature of the work I did not like. Um, I was in a cubicle 40 hours a week changing firewall settings. It wasn't fun. But what I really learned about that was I am not suited to maintenance work. I really get excited with the prospect of building new things. I like to start things. And that's a blind spot I have to kind of acknowledge about myself. I don't want to often finish things because I'm so excited about something new. I want to start it. Yeah. Um, and it just happened to coincide with College Info Geek starting to take off. So I spent basically every spare moment during that summer writing articles, coding the website, building things. And I was super excited about that. And it didn't matter what I was doing. I could be writing. I could be coding. I could be in Photoshop designing stuff. So very different kinds of work, but they had a common theme. They were all creation of new things. And they were all my ideas coming to fruition, not me being told to make something like client work. Yeah. Because I also had done freelance web dev, and that is technically creation, but it's taking a spec sheet from a client and then executing on that. That doesn't excite me. So over the course of that summer, I learned that being an IT guy, especially in infrastructure, really wasn't for me. But I was so convinced that that was what I wanted to do because I was so fascinated by, you know, the matrix imagery and all the stuff I was learning that I was, I was sure I was going to do it. And luckily I got experience early enough into my college career that I was able to start pivoting, taking fewer classes, spending more time writing. And now I get to create things for a living every day. Yeah. Like this job is my dream job in every sense of the word, even though sometimes it's difficult. If I was in a cubicle right now, just maintaining a network I would feel like my soul was crushed. Well, and didn't during that time you write something to yourself, some sort of journal-like thing that was like, I, I feel miserable here? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. Which is... Those are my Evernote. That's Yeah, journaling is a very good way to yeah. be more explicit about what you feel because you have to find words for it. Mm -hmm. And then you get to look back at it every time you get confused about it again. And then That's go, true. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I didn't like that. I had fond memories for a second, but that was nostalgia. And that's a great point. Just like the video game thing, sometimes you look back and you're like, hmm, maybe it was fine. And I just didn't appreciate it at the time. We often look at the past with rose-tinted glasses, especially when the present is challenging. Yeah. And I've had times where College Info Geek has been in like view number slumps or I'm really burned out because I've been working so many hours or I'm just like uninspired in general. Um, or, or, you know, a big thing for me, I can't turn my brain off. Like there's no separation between my work and my personal life, whatever there is of it. Yeah. Especially since I've decided to put my personal life on the internet in most aspects. <laughs> uh, sometimes I've thought to myself, it was so much simpler when I had a cubicle job I went there and at 5 p.m. I was done and I could leave it and it would be waiting for me the next day. But in those intervening hours, I'm free. But then I look at those journal entries and I'm reminded, nope, 
you are wearing some rose tinted lenses right now, my friend, because you hated that. Yeah. And also you just went home and worked on your own entrepreneurial projects. So your brain wasn't turned off. It was more like stewing in resentment of not being able to work on your own stuff while you were at work. And then the moment that five o'clock rolled around, it was like, cool, now I can go do it. So still no work-life separation. It's just like work, work separation. Yeah. You got to be work, careful about that. Like grass is greener mm-hmm. sort of thing. And in, in fact, in that situation, the grass is greener mindset is often just something you're holding because that view is convenient for you. And yeah. you got to be really cautious with any sort of beliefs or opinions you hold that are convenient for you to hold. You know, mm-hmm. the grass is greener one is saying it's convenient for me to think that that time was better because I'm annoyed at this time. So if yeah. I can justify changing it, <laughs> then I'll fix everything. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, any belief that's like beneficial to you is worth considering whether it's yeah. actually true. Like what if like, let's say uh, it was illegal for clowns to wear tall hats. Because I don't know why. <laughs> okay. I don't know why that would be illegal. I'll go along is, with this. It is now. And I was like, why are they complaining? All them clowns are rabble rousers. Well, it's convenient for me to hold that belief because I'm not a clown who wants a tall hat. So mm. one, it's beneficial for me to not feel guilty about caring about it or not caring about it. And I don't lose anything. So you're saying you're, you're developing a belief that allows you to justify your my inaction? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's I don't lose anything by doing nothing, and yeah. it's inconvenient to care. So I'm just going to say, those clowns are rabble-rousers, and their tall hats are stupid. Or maybe when I was a kid, I had a birthday party, and a clown with a particularly tall hat <laughs> licked my cupcake. And now I hate clowns with tall hats. Well, that's a convenient belief for me to think that it should be illegal for tall hats because then I don't have to be reminded of all that pain. Mm, That's true. But then I could be right. What if they're fighting for the right for tall hats in a movie theater and those clowns are just being ridiculous? (laughs) If I lack (laughs) self-awareness, I can justify all three of them, but only one of them. One of them was actually a real reason to be against something. Mm, Yeah. So a lot of what we could, it could easily be based on I mean, a lot of the stuff that I hold, I can trace it to some weird past event mm-hmm. or some, a lot of stuff just comes from your childhood, you know, with yeah. how you're molded. But if you're not really careful about convenient beliefs, a lot of what you hold to be true may actually only be based on your personal experiences or grudges yeah, or conveniences. Yeah, we, we do tend to fixate on specific elements of something that was traumatic or something we didn't like. And often that's not what the issue was. So. Yeah, and it's it's really hard to to like notice that. I mean, yeah. And I'm I'm I don't want to talk about this too much, but in senior year of high school, one way that I gained self awareness actually was by getting feedback from a quiz. So I took like a political quiz, mm-hmm. and every single answer but one pointed me to the opposite of what I thought I was going to get. The whole time mm. I was like, I'm totally going to get the same answer as my family. Yeah. Every answer but one was like, no, no, you're not. And I was yeah. just like, what does that mean? And after that, I'm very careful before I decide that I really think something. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out it was really easy and convenient for me to think that I already agreed with what I already, yeah, you know, agreed. It was convenient. And that was, it was crazy to think that I knew nothing about myself, essentially. There's a, a great essay on Less Wrong called uh, Belief as a Tire. 
which I think we've mentioned on this podcast before, but it's so. the idea that you you hang on to certain beliefs because it is a part of your self-identity and your inclusion in a specific group. Yeah. So you don't question it, or when you do question it, you kind of like squash down those questions because like, this is who I am. They're, they're, those questions aren't convenient. <laughs> it's scary to cast off your attire because it may ostracize you from a group of people that you are currently friends with or that or your family maybe uh and there's another one i was reading recently it was a, a paul graham essay about moderates and he said there's there's two types of moderates there are people who they put a stick in the mud and they're like i'm a moderate because they just want to be moderate because like people on the left are wrong the people on the right are wrong they're both crazy they're both extremist i'm going to be a moderate about everything and then there's accidental moderates and these are the people who just over time they take each issue individually, think about it, come to a conclusion about that particular issue. And then over time, the um, the collection of their beliefs on various issues end up putting them in the middle. And his perspective is that it's better to be an accidental moderate because then you're not just adopting belief as a tire because you want to identify as being in a certain position on the political spectrum or whatever belief spectrum that you're talking about. It's more that instead of going along with her mentality because you want to do that, you've just come to a conclusion about each issue yourself. So it's better to really accidentally end up fitting into a label without even realizing yeah. that you were going to, like I did in high school. And I was like, that's the opposite of what I thought. So clearly I didn't try to game the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, I think it's important to recognize that a lot of times we will take a stance on a specific issue because of our affiliation with a greater identity. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's not right. No, there's because... just so many areas we take those mental shortcuts mm -hmm. because it's easier. Brains like to be lazy. Brains do like to be lazy. It do be that way sometimes. Last thing I want to talk about is self-awareness as it pertains to your interactions with other people. So one of the ways in which I was not self-aware in my younger years of which there are increasingly more was I always wanted to be right. So when somebody would say something that I believed was wrong, I would start an argument. And I think this is another thing where I just like kind of adopted certain behaviors and ways of thinking from people around me. Uh, but eventually I learned that being right is not synonymous with winning. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. And, and this specific complex turn of phrase uh, comes from my friend Dave, who was telling me a story about when he was younger. Um, something had happened, which I'm not going to relay the story because it's something that, that happened to him. But essentially it, it came down to a friend of him, a friend of his, like taking him aside because I think he had gotten some like verbal fight with somebody and he's like look do you want to be right or do you want to win and sometimes being right means like cutting off your own nose to spite your face like maybe you you are right in that you uh you do something to get even or to be fair or to make sure everyone knows you're right but then you end up looking like a jerk in the process or you gain the reputation of somebody who will never let anything go or 
you want to win an argument that you're in with your significant other, maybe. So you just are overbearing with your arguments and maybe they want to stop, but you're like, no, you have to acknowledge that I'm right before we're done with this. I'm never going to let go. And it's like, cool, maybe they eventually do, but then they sort of now harbor some resentment for you. (laughs) So a big thing that I learned through being dumped because of my uh, doing this and this being a part of my personality in the past, but in previous relationships is um, if there's any kind of like argument that comes up in a, in my relationship and often with friends too, I try to think an hour into the future and I ask myself, how can I conduct myself in this argument so that we are better off an hour from now? And I think this is a good way to word it because I'm not saying how do I, how do I conduct myself so that we're just better, like so that this person likes me more in an hour, Mm. because that could lead to being a yes man that could lead to never calling out destructive behavior in somebody you care about. So I think of it as how are we better off both of us an hour from now? That may mean I need to be tough and call someone out on something or have a tough conversation. But it might also mean I'm going to let this go. Maybe we disagree. Maybe I'm 100% sure that I'm right and they're wrong, but it's not worth damaging our relationship over it. So it's like, which, all right, which is the best timeline? Yeah. What did I do in that timeline? Yep. All right. And I think it's uh, it's like a little a bit of a higher order self awareness to be able to think about your your relationship with somebody else, and to and to predict what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, because you're no longer thinking about your own ego. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good way to get through arguments because people get on emotional autopilot mm-hmm. pretty quickly. It's a pretty strong autopilot. Yeah, they definitely do. I, th- I mean, that's how it. Like, that happens to me almost every day driving here. I hate driving in Denver. <laughs> I just get super irritated. And then yeah. if, I, if I think about it, usually I'm not even irritated at what the person was doing. I'm irritated because I've got groceries bouncing around in the back of the car. That it, I'm irrationally angry at the sound of stuff shuffling around. In the, I just, every time I stop and I hear it thud, I'm just, I hate it. Yep. And that's weird. And I haven't quite figured out why I hate it, but I know that I hate that. Mm-hmm. Or like... Maybe I'm impatient because I'm late or maybe my stupid dry hands like started bleeding and I'm like, I'm going to get blood on the steering wheel. And then I got some OCD anxiety going in there and I'm like, it's never that driver that that is actually what's so irritating to me. It's always something else that Mm. I can act on to make better later. Yeah. But it always feels like it's their fault and everybody's like, I'm the best driver and all these other people don't know how to drive. <laughs> and obviously that can't possibly be true. So, well, I am the best driver. So that's just, just, you know, I guess one person must be the best driver. Everyone in the world thinks they're above average, but you know, in my case, in my case, it's actually true. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, and I get so irritated so quickly and I'm just like, I'm getting very irritated. One, yeah. one second, pause. If I can justify feeling irritated, I'll keep being irritated after I unpause. But first, mm. I need to pause. I like that. It's pause. Like, and it's like, well, I mean, if Ashley and I start, it starts to feel like we're going to argue about something. Mm. I'll just straight up say, wait, I'm very irritated. Give me a second. I think I might be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just literally pause. 
Let yeah. me let me examine for a second. I'm behaving irrationally. <laughs> Whoops. If I continue yep. and try to win using this irrational emotion vibe I got going, it's only going to be bad mm-hmm. and I'll regret. And let's not waste all the time in between figuring it out. I saw someone tweet recently that, what was it? They They were like, I want an Apple watch app that will like do an EEG reading and, and determine if my emotional state is heightened. So, and then it'll block me from tweeting. (laughs) And I just remember thinking like that's self-awareness. Yeah. You can build that. Yeah. (laughs) Really self-awareness is just pausing your autopilot for three seconds to question what, what's really going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. I just, I'm remembering like times when Anna has literally called me out I'm like, you, you seem irritated right now. And, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah. Why? <laughs> oh, yeah. That wasn't a, a rational reaction. It was an irrational reaction. Why did I do it? Hmm. Sometimes it's stuff that you never even, like, I'll have a day where it's like, you know what just occurred to me? I've been having nerve pains again today. That's mm-hmm. weird. I've ignored them all day long, building up slight amounts of irritation mm-hmm. until something would happen. But it's just... I don't know. It's really hard to see it in the moment, but once you figure out how to just pause and be like, I, "If I can justify this, I will continue being angry." Yeah. In about three seconds, but with your whole, what will make things better off? Angry usually doesn't solve problems better than calm does, so it's very rare that I would continue expressing anger yeah. after unpausing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually, just try to let it. it simmer usually, down a it's bit. like, okay, so I am. I don't like the situation. But if I freak out, it's not going to help it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I found that the thing that makes me the most irrationally angry is when other people or things slow me down, and I'm well aware of the fact that I could operate faster than I currently am. But something external to me is slowing me down. Yeah. So this usually takes the form of traffic or somebody not driving the speed limit, or somebody like meandering across the road instead of just. They're always meandering. It. Uh, or like the big one for me is Premiere Pro sluggishly chugging along through something that should work just fine. <laughs> and then I'm just like, oh, why is this doing this? I've had, <laughs> you know, I've, I've gotten so used to programs doing that that I've found myself like if I'm waiting for like the toaster, I can't think of a better example. Something, <laughs> something mundane that needs to just take a few minutes. I'll just be like, load. <laughs> But that doesn't make sense. You don't load toast. It's I, not It's not well, loading right now. You do technically load the toast into well, the toaster. The toaster doesn't load it, though. Mm. It's not loading <laughs> toast acquired. I mean, I guess in a way. Loading especially toast. Especially if, if we're in a simulation, then it is loading toast. It is loading toast. But Input bread, like it's it just, loads toast. It really showed me where my normal impatience comes from. It's yeah. just like <laughs> progress bars everywhere. Progress bars. Yeah. So anyway... Long story short, a big part of self-awareness is learning to recognize your own irrational behaviors, things that make you irrationally angry, and your blind spots. Yeah. Big blind spot for me, uh, and many people have told me this, I apparently am a terrible judge of character. Really? Because I have very little natural skepticism. I'm not a particularly jaded person. And I tend to see the good in people. Like, I, is, there a, is there a less self-aggrandizing way to say that? I tend to overlook people's flaws 
even if they're like flaws that make them kind of a jerk. Yeah, even in a situation where it's naive to overlook those. Or I will I will justify their flaws by being like, well, they're good in this way. And even, even though rationally I know like bad people can do good things. Like people who make money in bad ways still often give money to charity. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily make them a good person. But in the moment, especially when I'm talking face-to-face to somebody, I have a real tough time bringing natural skepticism into the conversation. I tend to be like, this person's good. They're probably great. Whatever they do that's bad, it's probably just like a minor thing. Um, and I think this is sometimes helpful, but it's also a blind spot, and it can get me into trouble sometimes. Yeah. So fortunately, I have certain friends in my life who have that healthy skepticism. So they will often point out to me like, yeah, you think that person is great, but have you considered the fact that they act really nicely to you because they have a lot to gain potentially from you specifically? Hmm. That's a tough one. Once you become a person who like, if you're in any position where you could help somebody, it's, you gotta, yeah. you gotta be careful about that. Well, here's, here's an example. Um, I was at a recording studio which um, got my Nebula project coming out and then your future for that. And myself, Dave, and Mike, the producer we were working with, we all stepped out for some fresh air. And there's this guy there. And uh, just started up like a quick conversation. And I, I think I was like, I was asking him like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing some R&B. I just started. And then I told him what I was doing. And somehow it, the conversation drifted to a place where he found out who I am and how many YouTube subscribers I have. Tomasu-sama. And then he proceeded to talk only to me and didn't once acknowledge Dave or Mike. Mm. And then later on came back and he was like, hey man, you think we'd ever like do something together? Mm. And I thought nothing of it at the time. Tisk comma space tisk. I was just like, well, that was cool, I guess. And I, I wasn't like super stoked about this person, but I didn't notice anything off about it until later on, Dave was like, you notice how the moment that guy realized that you're sort of internet famous, he only talked to you and didn't even acknowledge us. And he's like, yeah, I, I can tell a lot about a person by how they treat you before they understand, like before they realize what they could potentially gain from you. I'm like, damn. It's a really interesting that's a like, big metric blind spot. to look at. Yeah. But that's a, like a, I, I don't think about that because I'm not like naturally looking for the ways in which people behave crappily. Yeah. And I should. So. Yeah, yeah it's tough because it sounds nice to not think about that at all. But <sighs> yeah. But and you know, thinking back to that interaction, like, well, damn, I wish I would have seen that because I probably would have ended the conversation earlier. Yeah. You know, or. I would have wanted to try to like make it about all of us, but then that's probably not that useful because this is the kind of person who isn't interested in talking to people because they're human beings. They're interested in talking to people because they can gain something from them. Weird. You know, and maybe that person was also just not self-aware. Maybe like somebody, somebody like particularly simple person know they were doing would it. jump to uh, that person as a sociopath who views people as tools. And maybe that's true. Maybe they just haven't developed the emotional 
center needed to care about other people. I don't know. You know what? Maybe well, this is well, my blind spot well, manifesting maybe, itself again. Maybe they are a sociopath. I don't maybe know. Maybe they just really admire YouTubers for some reason. Maybe. Maybe they just thought you were cute. Maybe they thought I was cute. But... I mean, in this particular case, it does seem like it was probably somewhat nefarious, even if they weren't aware of it. Yeah, but, I don't think they were like, I'm going to no, that would be ridiculous. like a jerk to everyone except for this person who I can gain something from. But I do think it was like, I haven't developed a sense of caring enough to treat all the people here well. I just see something I want and I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and it, it takes some self-awareness and maybe time to realize that maybe they realized it later on and they were like, oh God, why did I do that? Maybe. Like, uh, I think, I think John Green said at some point, imagine others complexly. Yeah. And I think that that's like having a more nuanced view of everything is a really good way to avoid being irrationally upset at people. Mm -hmm. Um, it also helps me with the driving thing, you know, because I'm just like, well, to be fair, how do I know that they're not going to their, like, pregnant wife who's giving birth at the hospital, and that's why they had to cut? Yeah. Probably not, you know, but what if maybe the good thing happened? Now, in cases where it it's actually really important, like, on a one-to-one reaction, maybe I'll be a little more cynical. Yeah. But as a whole, I'd like to view humanity more. <laughs> and if I'm going to view them as nuanced, I'd like to lean on the positive side first. Mm-hmm. And be jaded in one-on-one situations that seem to call for it. I, I tend to try to view others complexly, but I think that also it leads me to do what you just said, like justify away the things that probably weren't the best actions. Like, yeah, oh, maybe they were stressed. Like, maybe they have, you know, a lot of times if people are a jerk to me in like passing, I'll be like, well, maybe they have like a lot of crap going on at home or something. And I shouldn't excuse that. My mom once said, if you're having a bad day and you go to work, you don't bring that with you. Yeah. You treat the customers well because that's your job. And that's the pride you should bring to your work. And I think that one of my uh, personal beliefs and uh, I guess values is that's not something you just do at work. That's something you would do in public too. If you're suffering... Talk to friends about it. Talk to people who care about you about it. But don't go out and make other people's lives worse because you're suffering. Yeah. That's a value of mine. You don't need to suffer through a megaphone. Yeah. Which I don't I don't know why. Like I, I hold myself to these things, but then like I will justify when other people who are not close to me don't hold themselves to it. Yeah. One, once you get more data, it's easier to start seeing whether a person really did just have a particularly bad day. Mm -hmm. Because if it happens several times in a row, you know, it's probably just a personality trait. Yeah. Oh, also, if if you do want to suffer through a megaphone, do it with art. Way cooler. That's true. That's the best way to suffer through a (laughs) megaphone. It does seem like most artists are tortured in some way. It does does seem like that's where a lot of art comes from. (laughs) Very true. Okay. Uh, I think we should probably wrap this up because it's been over an hour. But... There's a there's a great Mark Manson article about self-awareness, and we'll have it in the show notes, but I wanted to read uh, something that I really liked from the article. So he was talking about how part of self-awareness, like we discussed here, is understanding your flaws and blind spots. But what he mentioned is that for some people, when they practice self-awareness and they become more self-aware, it makes them less happier people. 
because they now understand <laughs> their own flaws and now they're just that much more acutely aware of how they're bad people on the inside. Uh, and he has this quote uh, that I want to read. So he said, self-awareness is wasted if it does not result in self-acceptance. The research bears this out too. Self-awareness doesn't make everyone happier. It makes some people more miserable because if great self-awareness is coupled with self-judgment, then you're merely becoming more aware of all the ways you deserve to be judged. These emotional outbursts and cognitive biases, they exist in everyone all the time. You're not a bad person for having them just as other people aren't necessarily bad people for having them either. They're just human and you're just human. Yeah. I that wanted that sense. out there. Don't it, don't judge yourself too harshly. Yeah, I didn't want to end on like Or really don't don't judge anyone too harshly, you know, and until they deserve it over and over. Yeah. But also Some if people you're like do me, deserve it. Work on understanding when people do deserve it. Yeah. And maybe those people don't have to be bad people forever, you know, but that doesn't mean you have to deal with them while they're being Yeah. F- while they're being flawed. They can fix their own self-awareness in their own time. Mhm. Or, or again, it's the, you know, how are we better off an hour from now? Maybe you're better off an hour from now because you called them out. Yeah. Because they have a hard lesson to learn. This is something that uh, I struggle with. And when I, when I um, do little mental simulations of myself as a parent, this is not like a parent, but like a parent of a child. This is something that I often get anxiety about. Um, I don't like telling people things they don't want to hear because I don't like the negative reactions. I like to make people happy. But from my own experience as a child growing up, I know for a fact that there are many times where my parents told me something I didn't want to hear and I was better off for it. Or my dad forced me to read a book and write a book report on it and then he was way harsher in grading than my teachers were or I had to go into the basement and work out three times a week and I didn't like to do that and I didn't like to do chores, but... I'm a better person for all of those things. You're just going to need to wrap it up, you know? Just like uh like wrap you like kind of sucked yesterday, but write that in frosting on a cake. Mm. And then like, yay cake. <laughs> truth cake. <laughs> truth cake. I hate truth cake. So now I'm just going to sit here and <laughs> eat junk food in misery while <laughs> judge You're going to eat this and think about what you've done. That's going to be a truth salad. But I wrote, yeah, I wrote salad, it in dressing, so it's going to taste... Yummy, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that song in a while. Luckily, Anna's not editing this episode. Otherwise, she would be very annoyed with you right now. It's gonna, I'm going to sing then it later. You could just then sing it later. It's going to be in my head you now. You should. Actually, I think you should Anyway, Truth Foods. Truth best foods. way to deliver a harsh message. <laughs> Something like that. It's a fruit basket, and at the bottom's just a note. We're breaking up. Oof. Done. I don't like that. By the way, we're through. But to uh, like, but you just took me on a Disney vacation. Yeah, I was just trying to like sugarcoat a there little. There was bit. actually a message in the sky with the plane banner. <laughs> you didn't see it. Yeah, I kind of wished you would have turned at the right moment. You almost had Truth Disneyland. That guy cost like two hundred dollars to do that. So I'm gonna need you to pay me. I'm gonna experiment back. with really weird negative truth giving. This is this is a new thing I want to try. As your friend, I'm going to say <laughs> you probably shouldn't do that. I'm going to do it. They're going to be so conflicted. I think we'll both be better off Everybody an hour from now hate me. if you don't do that. <laughs> anyway. Fine. Dear audience, this is episode 286. So 
If you want to check out the show notes for this episode, head on over to cigpodcast.com slash 286. We'll have some interesting links that you may want to click on or smash your face into your phone screen to click with your nose, including that Mark Manson article. It's a really good read. I would check it out. It's got uh, It's got some turtles in it. Turtles are cool. You like turtles all the way down. Stories in there. That's a cool. Book. Pretty interesting. Self-awareness is just levels of awareness all the way down until you hit never-ending existential dread. But then the next level is accepting that. Oh, Maybe. okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to subscribe to the show, cigpodcast.com with no trailing slashes or numbers will take you to the main College of Boogie podcast homepage on our website where we have links to subscribe to the show in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, other places if you want to like search for our podcast and pocket casts, you can do that. If you want to paste our RSS feed URL into a super old school IRC driven podcast reader that like converts it to text and then reconverts that to speech and you listen to Microsoft Sam do our podcast for us, you could do that too. That's cool. Maybe we should do that. It'd probably be a more successful show if it was just like speech to text to speech. It'd be funnier. That's true. I'll try it. Maybe you should try it. Is there still Microsoft Sam in the new if, Windows? If, if you like, I haven't load, had Windows in a long time. If you load time. like Windows ninety five onto a VM, maybe okay, I'll do. And that. then it instantly just gets a thousand viruses. I, I can do that. Whew. More intro. If you want to support this show, well, outro, not intro. Yeah, duh. We're Those not are different over. words. If you want to support the show, a great way to do it is to, number one, share it with a friend. Maybe uh, let them know what your favorite episode is, and they may start listening to the show as well. Otherwise, if you're an Apple Podcasts user or you have access to iTunes, they have a rating and review feature, and you can always give us a five-star review and rating if you want to support the show, or give us a one-star review and say that we ramble too much, like some people do. That's fine, too. It's a free I'm country. Aware. It's a free, I'm aware. It's a free world, at least in terms of I your ability ramble. to write iTunes reviews this podcast is intentionally but I prefer that in a truth cake yeah can you send us a truth cake and you you're gonna want to email to this truth cake to what was it like uh it was something super banana man just just whatever you want at (laughs) hotmail.jpg um I've booked I've booked every email that that ends in that you know just send it on over have you that's a true statement everyone (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's technically false. Well, I mean, but I have what in zero syntax, out of zero. Does there that are mean zero. I have... So you do have all of them. <laughs> but I can't. I cannot all. tell you what percentage of them I have. All I can say that is is all of them. It is all of them. Uh, usually, so usually I like say go to collegeinfogeek.com to check out more articles and stuff, which I just said, and I don't regret saying that. But since we're now like branching out a little bit more. Uh, check out my YouTube channel too, YouTube.com/slash Thomas Frank. There's cool stuff happening there, and I bet there are videos. There are videos there, so go watch some videos or don't. I'm not your dad. And I'll see you later. Thanks for hanging out with us. Stay cute. Someday someone might listen to this, and you will be their dad, and that will be a lie. <laughs> <laughs>